Hi, and welcome to Power in the City. This is a podcast about the everyday and on the ground ways that people are responding to the climate emergency. Because when I had spoken originally to my family on earth climate change and being vegan, they actually kind of laughed at about it. Really? Um, so I love litter picking. I do so many things, but I love litter picking. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. I was always concerned about what was happening to um, Mother Earth, particularly in relation to the amount of pollution. It didn't meet the cycling imam. I heard so much about the cycling imam, you know, he's quite famous. Yeah, yeah so basically, um, I've, I've, well, climate change is a big thing, like it, I said. Yeah. There's a lot of um, uh, topics that we could talk about. The first season is based in Oldham and has five episodes. My name is Hannah. And I'm Britt. Hannah, do you actually know that Oldham is not a city? It. Welcome back. Thank you. It's really nice to be here. So what did you bring us today? So this episode is going to be all about climate change. Oh, I've been looking forward to this. So climate change is something that we obviously all know about, but it's also something that in a funny way, we often don't have the opportunity to really talk about it directly. So in the context of this podcast, we've got lots of things. We're talking about walking, we're talking about solar energy, we're talking about insulating our homes. But I think it's really important to have a space to actually think about why are we having these conversations? What is the backdrop? Why is all this stuff so important? I agree. But different people have different senses of why it's happening and so I thought it'd be interesting to have one episode where we actually find out in Oldham what people think about climate change how are people relating to it what are people think what are they doing why are they thinking about okay let's do it so I wanted to start this episode by playing you a clip from a song be surprised to hear that that was the sound of climate change. You are kidding. No, it's what's called a sonification of climate data and it's a depiction of the changes in the atmosphere since before the Industrial Revolution until the present day. So um, what kind of changes and, and what kind of data are we talking about here? So there's two kinds of data in the sonification and um, the first is the concentration of carbon emissions which are in the atmosphere so the low droney noise that you can hear at the bottom of the recording is the sound of carbon concentrations in the atmosphere and as it gets closer to the end of the tune to the end of the clip you can hear those concentrations rising and rising more and more intensely as the as the drone noise goes up and up and up and up and the second sound in the recording is a kind of bloopy noise, and that is the noise of temperature. And similarly, if we listen to it, you can hear that the temperature's going up and down, up and down. But as it gets closer to the end of the clip, it starts to go up and up and up and up, even more in a more accelerated way. And 
yeah so the so the effect of the whole clip is that you really feel that climate change is kind of happening more rapidly now wow so droney noises carbon emissions rising and then uh, uh bloopy noises temperature getting warmer and warmer and warmer and warmer so um that's incredible like what i'm still quite intrigued like why why do you bring this clip so I brought this clip because for me, it really like brought home the experience of climate change. So I've been researching climate change for many years. I've talked to loads of people, but it's quite hard to communicate the kind of complexity of climate change. There's lots of kind of detail in there, but really there's just a story there that's really, really important. And that's that the burning of fossil fuels has just increased massively over the past decades. And that's increased the carbon dioxide concentrations and it's been increasing the temperature and it's going to continue increasing the temperature. When I heard this this song, this sonification of that data, that that rapidity of that increase really brought it home to me. Wow. Can I hear it one more time? Yeah, sure. It's really urgent. No, it sounds like a siren or something. It is urgent. And if that's urgency in sound, I wanted to share with you um, the words of someone who conveys that urgency. I'm Professor Chris Rapley. I'm Professor of Climate Science at University College London. So I have known Professor Rapley for a few years, and he's worked for over 40 years as a climate scientist. He's monitored glaciers, he's extracted ice cores. He's also done lots of work to try to tell the story of climate change. The evidence from 40 years of science, well, you could argue 150 years of science, but certainly the last 40 years of science, it's happening, it's real unquestionably you know there's there's absolutely no doubt about about it what's more it's us through our emissions of uh, greenhouse gases and to some extent the way that we're changing the uh, surface of the planet through agriculture and uh, and uh, urbanization it's serious uh, uh, you've only got to look at the growing costs uh, in terms of um, insurance costs and so on of, of major damaging storms. But it's serious in terms of loss of life, loss of um, habitat. You know, there, there are climate migrants moving out of California, for goodness sake, because either their houses have been incinerated or they can no longer insure their houses because they may be incinerated. So it's very serious. Certainly the places that the news channels concentrate on that's really brought home that this is absolutely real and it's absolutely happening and it's very scary. Um, we need to do something about it and there are many things that we can do about it, but we're not doing them at the rate and scale that we need to. Well, um, I think the message definitely hit home. It's serious. Um, it makes me feel a bit depressed, actually. Yeah, I mean, it makes me feel depressed too. But Chris did have something to say about that too. It's very easy to get uh, a, a bit glum about it all. You know, it seems a bit overwhelming. And, and it's clear that we're in a 
desperate state and and that we're not doing as you know anything like as well as we should do but but you know people have been saying if 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 we go over one and a half degrees which as you know is the you know the target we're trying to keep warming to less than one and a half degrees uh, the next target isn't two degrees you know it's 1.55 degrees or 1.56 degrees you know every you know every single point one of a degree matters and so if we miss one target, well, okay, you know, we're we're adults, you know, let's figure out how we still get a grip on things. And somebody said um, the important thing about uh, having delivered the story is the aftertaste half an hour or a half a day or a week later. What is the aftertaste? If the aftertaste is gloomy, then you failed. You know, the aftertaste needs to be, well, uh, come on then, let's roll up our sleeves and do something about it. So I think what we get from Chris is that one of the real challenges of having conversations about climate change and also doing anything about climate change is just that it's really hard to engage with something that just often feels really gloomy and really scary. Um, sometimes I think it just makes us want to switch off and like just yeah. like bury our head in the sand and say, oh, I just don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> so at the same time, you know, we can't just bury our head in the sand. So I wanted to see if I could find some people in Oldham who were not burying their heads in the sand. They were confronting climate change and see how they were doing it. Like, how are people engaging with this thing called climate change? Uh, so I went to Oldham um, really to find some people to talk to. And it didn't take long for me to come across an organisation called Crossing Footprints, who it turned out has have been doing loads and loads of work over the past few years and they've been really trying hard to develop what they call a creative conversation in Oldham about climate change. My name is Kuj Chuhan. Um, I'm the director of an organisation called Crossing Footprints. I've been working on anti-racist, cultural, artistic and activist projects and activities for about 30, 35 years. So this is Cooj, and he's been working in and around Greater Manchester for quite a few years now, working with video and with art as a way of engaging communities and educating people about sort of big issues of the day. And he's worked on lots of different things. He's worked on migration and he started talking to people who'd moved to the UK, sometimes they'd come from places that he realised were really badly affected by climate change. And he realised that although people often had lots of experiences of climate change, the kinds of people he was engaging were often being really left out of the kind of public conversations about climate change and left out of the climate movement, climate activism. So Cooch told me one of the challenges that he had experienced of working with these people who are not already in the climate conversation is that actually you need to find a really different way of talking about and thinking about climate change thinking of different narratives and different entry points and different ways of framing what the issues are and where and how they've arisen and what kind of wider solutions there may be i think it's a constant dynamic to try and shift our minds into something that isn't the dominant way of thinking of about climate change so what he was telling me was basically, I think, where we're at in this podcast in terms of trying to think of different ways of talking about climate change. So chatting to Cooge, 
Um, it turned out that his organisation, Crossing Footprints, were actually going to be running an event at Oldham Library. And so Cooge invited me to come along as a way of seeing some of the work that they've been doing um, and also to see if I could find any ways of talking about climate change differently. So it's Saturday morning and I've just taken the tram out to Oldham and down to the smart new library, which is in the city centre. And I've arrived at the library and I can't really see where to go at first. It doesn't really obviously look like there's anything going on. But then I can see this kind of weird object at the back of the hall. So I start to walk through and as I get closer, I can see it's like a stack of boxes and it's all draped with kind of twine as if the boxes have been hauled into the library by some kind of fishing net or something. And so I see that there's someone standing next to the boxes. It's an artist. It turns out that her name's Rabia Begum. And she's the artist who actually made the installation. And it is part of the Crossing Footprints uh, project. And she, she starts to tell me a bit about it. So with this exhibition today, it's um, an installation piece made up of 19 cardboard boxes which go around um, into the shape of almost like a pyramid. So it's called Future Roots and it's supposed to be um, a growing tree. So Kuj has invited Rabia to come to this event to share with people some of the ways that she, she's been thinking about climate change. Rabia herself is from Oldham, so she hasn't had far to come. She's now at university in Liverpool, but... Recently, she's been working with art galleries in Manchester and exhibiting her work there. So she tells me that she's put together this installation as a way of inviting people to think about and talk about climate change. So she's made it like a tree um, so that it doesn't feel scary. It's something that's quite receptive. And then there's a sign which asks people to put their thoughts and stick their thoughts onto the installation. So I'm quite intrigued to hear how people are actually responding to the installation. So I asked Rabia to tell me a bit more about it. Um, I found a few people today um, quite, what's the word now? Um, oh God, what's the word? Really insecure, I suppose, about their artwork and um, about their piece and making sure that it looks a particular way or that it's executed and looks well um, and not feeling like it compares to what other people have written which I found interesting but actually most of those times that what people have then said and their insecurities uh, has been interesting because they've had the most I think um, interesting contributions I had a lady earlier who was talking about um, helping poor people within climate justice and reaching out to those which uh, and she was like oh well, I don't think it's well it goes well enough with um, the other pieces and I thought that was so important because that's climate justice so I think those ideas do kind of develop and work and having those conversations really do help. So Rabia's installation then seems to be something that's really prompting people to talk about climate change not just as this sort of scientific problem but as something that in the, that last clip she calls climate justice. Can we talk about this idea of climate justice for a moment? Yeah, I think we should, because it really comes through in a lot of the conversations that I'm having with people in this podcast. So according to Cooge and Rabia, who both see themselves as working on climate justice, they tell me that climate justice is really about realising that climate change is not something that affects us as just individuals, but 
that actually some people are going to be much more affected by climate change than other people, that it's really kind of differentiated. So it will affect poor people more than rich people. And it's really likely to affect people who are currently living in the global south more than those who might feel a bit sort of insulated from climate change who are living in the global north. You know, the, the people who, um, who are struggling with agriculture in Zimbabwe or in uh, or in the or, the, or the or the Bangladesh, which is going to face sea level rises, where a lot of it's going to be submerged. You know those huge um, and the islands that are sinking. So here, Kuj is talking about the um, way that different people are affected differently by climate change, and he talks about this as a way of telling me what climate justice is. And Rabia also describes herself to me in terms of climate justice. So she tells me that she's a climate justice activist as well as an artist. Um, and whilst we're talking, she says that she's got an interesting story to tell me about how she became a climate justice activist. So I'm really interested. I say to her, come on, like, tell me the, uh, yeah, tell me the story. It sounds really interesting. But rather than starting with climate science, which is where I think she's going to start, she starts by telling me all about her stomach. So when I was 16, 17, um, my stomach went through a really bad um, episode of irritable bowel syndrome um, so I suppose gut health really affected me and I had to change my diet. So Rabia tells me how her diet had been a bit rubbish, it was based on eating loads of meat and loads of junk food and she tells me she, she sort of admits that she didn't really have much nutrition in her diet. So I had to go vegan and veggie, uh, I had to go to those diets to help uh, my stomach and the issues that I was going through, which did. Um, from that I started to look into um, your kind of Netflix um, shows that were on Forks Over Knives. So that's Forks Over Knives, that's a film about how getting rid of animal products in your diet can cure chronic diseases. Cowspiracy. Cowspiracy is another show and this one's about how the meat industry is responsible for loads of environmental destruction. Um, I looked into The Minimalists. Ah, The Minimalists are two guys who've done these TED Talks about how to live with less stuff in your lives. So Rabia was really inspired by all these different shows and it was really making her start to think about the way that the modern life that she was living actually like consume, 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 not uh, thinking about our decisions and eventually led me on to doing kind of more research, being curious and started working on climate change because when I had spoken originally to my family on uh, climate change and being vegan, they actually kind of laughed at about it. Really? Um, so they were like, oh, um, it's a bit extreme, um, especially coming from a South Asian family in Oldham, that's very um, working class. It was just things that you wasn't kind of heard of or heard, yeah, introduced. Um, um, and then now, in turn, they're being aware of it. And um, um, so that's, I suppose, a long story of how I got into what I'm doing now. So once Rabia had become aware of climate change through this kind of diet and then watching these TV programmes, she, she started to become something of a climate activist. And so her work now is really focused on talking from her own personal experiences and specifically from her own personal background about climate change. I don't feel like I'm representing, but I'm bringing an element of the experiences and what I know from my community into those conversations because it is, it's really important that when we talk about Global South and those voices, someone's present. You can't talk on behalf of someone. 
So as we were talking about who you can speak on behalf of, Rabia mentions that during lockdown, she'd actually made a spoken word video about climate change and climate justice uh, when she was doing work at Manchester Art Gallery. So I asked her to share the poem with me. Uh, and this poem captures something really unique um, about how, for her, climate change is about injustice and inequality and who has access to resources. I can try and get it up on my phone and, and read the actual spoken word poetry. Oh, that would um, be amazing, yeah. I can get it up. I'll just wait a minute. So this is called As We See by Rabia Begum. As we see the intricacies and the delicate bees disappear, who are we? As we see the intricacies, the many levels of you and me, the intersectionalities, social injustice flees, who are we? As we see the intricacies, Europe thrown in a freeze, the young suffer, the elders' deeds, who are we? As we see the intricacies, born unequally, let us take for what we can, now bring me your tea, who are we? As we see the intricacies, decolonise your galleries, understanding our history, who are we? As we see the intricacies, Rashford's school meal breeze, Boris falling to his knees, food security, food sovereignty, the global south, you know who I mean, who are we? As we see the intricacies, Bangladesh under seas, migration, how we run and we flee, land, sea, arctic and freeze, who are we? As we see flooding frequently, extinct species are we, the mirror to our own realities, work together, can we, to shape the future for you and for me? Wow, that's very moving. It made me shiver. <laughs> that's beautiful. It is. Um, it, made me, it made me well up a bit um, yeah, for a moment. Me too. <laughs> so the event at the library it really made me think about how climate change didn't just have to be something abstract and distant and it could actually be something really personal. And so for the next group of people that I met uh, in my search for other ways of thinking and talking about climate change, uh, I found it was another kind of really local and personal thing that people were talking about. I'm Salahuddin Talukder. My call is volunteers. So I love litter picking. I do so many things, but I love litter picking. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Hi, I'm Sadrul Alam. Uh, I'm also a My Coldest volunteer. Enjoy litter picking, uh, giving back to the community, and especially making sure the children play a lot of football and uh, <laughs> as much giving back to the community as possible. Hi, my name is Kamal Rob. Uh, I'm a uh, My Coldest volunteer, and I'm a local businessman as well. Um, just giving back as much as I can to the community and making it safe. So I've been invited down to Coldhurst by my Coldhurst community group and I'm accompanying Sadril and the others on one of their regular litter picks. So I've met Sadril a couple of months earlier at a workshop um, called Oldham Energy Futures. And after the workshop, he agreed to speak to me about climate change and he said, well, come down to the litter pick and meet me there and you can meet the other volunteers and we'll all tell you about climate change. So my Coldhurst volunteers had started out as a group that was first of all focused on basically trying to make the area of Coldhurst in central Oldham really a nicer place to live. 
We try to engage in, um, and involve with every little thing sure. what we can do. But main priority for this group mission and vision is we want to see the coldest, uh, spotless place. Yeah, so... Uh, we want to show people we care. And if you don't care, at least care not throw anything. Because like I think over the years, we, we managed to achieve that. Amazing. So Coldhurst is an area that is just to the west of Oldham Town Centre and it's just off the dual carriageway which cuts the area off from uh, the neighbouring neighbourhood of, of Westwood. Now the streets around here are mainly sort of red brick terraced houses and there's little pockets of green space around. There's a library and there's a great little cafe that opened up earlier in the year and, and a few small shops along the road. The area scores pretty highly on the indices of multiple deprivation but I'm getting the sense from being with the litter pickers that there's a real pride in this area and it really emanates from everything that the My Coldhurst volunteers um, talk to me about. So one thing the volunteers have been doing recently is transforming alleyways behind the terraces of the houses so they've been cleaning them up and really trying to make them into spaces that people can use. And we pass by one of these alleyways um, on the litter pick. You know, um, we spoke about um, that same area in the in the walking episode. And something that I didn't really mention in the walking episode is that all of those alleyways used to be pathways, public pathways. And then, of course, by them being closed down, they sort of, you know, the throughway wasn't really possible anymore. So a lot of this kind of work that people do is really brilliant in terms of opening up new spaces for people to travel into or travel through yeah before it was a, it was basically a no-go area wasn't it because there's like it was full of rubbish and fly tipping but now I, i'd say that it, it it's like, like during lockdown people used it for uh, as an area to do their regular walks okay yeah uh, the kids play here as well yeah, it's a nice yeah. to get a bike up and down here as a child. Yeah, yeah. it's a massive change. Yeah, from the uh, what it was and what it is now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So when 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 it's summer, there's there's, there's loads of um, children playing. Two I think what you, what you see on the corners, there's nothing being dumped here anymore. Yeah. Whereas people just used to think, oh, it would be okay to like leave the black bin liner full of rubbish. Yeah. And things like that. So I'm here on a litter pick, but I've came to be here because I asked Sadril to tell me about climate change and as we're talking about litter picking it sort of feels a long way from climate change so I asked the litter pickers explicitly to talk to me about what they see as the link between the My Coldhurst volunteer activities and the climate. Yeah, yeah so basically um, I've, I've, well climate change is a big thing like I said it, yeah. so there's a lot of um, topics that we could talk about Remember Kamal, he introduced himself at the beginning. He's the businessman. So his business is a restaurant um, and he's got some quite ambitious plans coming up about how to think about producing food more locally. Um, but I think um, we we can see the changes that's happening, even in the UK, like uh, the day, uh, I think it was last week or the week before, the, the storm that I we know. had. One after the other. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so the storm that we had and then the changes, it's like, where's the snow gone? Uh, we can see that things are changing. So a um, little bit of contribution that we're making, like even um, you know, flower pots we're putting out in, 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 in the back, back alleyways and stuff like that. So these contributions, even in my, in my restaurant, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, like the eco side of it, mm. where, where uh, local 
uh, grows local veggies. Kamal runs a number of businesses and one of them is a local restaurant. Um, and the restaurant is one of the areas where they've really been trying to change how they're running the business to make it more sustainable. So what, what I started doing is uh, I started to get my own chilli pots. So I use my own chillies ah. at this moment. So that's where the idea came from. Yeah. Uh, and I'm working with someone locally as well to see if we can get a, a space where, where we can actually uh, grow like tomatoes, potatoes and stuff like that. So, yeah. so then, um, and then uh, using a local uh, farmer to supply us with eggs. Yeah. You know, things like that. So yeah. you, you, you work with your own uh, rather than buying it out from other countries yeah yeah so that's what we're trying to do interesting so, so these little things it takes time yeah but yes surely uh, if we if we contribute as as a team as, yeah. a, as a community yeah we can make a big change find little it. ways of doing like, yeah so there's a lot of things that we could actually um but without support of others we can't really can't get anywhere so, no. uh, yeah so it has to be like-minded people like-minded uh, community spirit community yeah. support yeah, uh, that's what we need to look out for um, and work together. We can. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for environmentally as part of this project. Yes. So Sadrul is bringing the conversation back here to the Mike Oldhurst Volunteers Project. One of the thing was about uh, you know uh, grow your own. Oh right. So, so that's why we do the vegetable picking. But yeah. what you notice here, so see so you know these like they're all solar powered. Oh right. Oh, okay. So, Sadrol's pointing out the security lights to me along the alleyway, which I hadn't noticed before. So, uh, uh, and they're all uh, LED. Yeah. You know, the long-lasting the, LED. Yeah, and yeah. And then if you look on the walls here, we've, oh, you've we've got, got, the got solar lights. lights, yeah. Oh, okay, that's nice. So, so, so those were like part of uh, the, the eco uh, yeah. uh, element of the project that yeah, we had. Yeah, yeah. Sadrol tells me about these things they've been doing in the alleyways, but he also wants to tell me more about why he cares about climate change. I think personally, uh, for me, yeah. shall, shall I go first? Go uh, I, uh, I go to Bangladesh quite on a regular basis, yeah. and, and then I see, um, so, so for example, just before you land, when you go in summer, August, July, just before you land, it's like the whole, all you can see is water everywhere. So, so uh, the impact that we have is we always talk about climate change and how it affects like people that, that are completely further away from you. I always, I always think about Bangladesh, yeah, and sea rise, and I'm like thinking, you know, you know, it's one of the most densely populated countries in the world, and it's forecast to lose like about uh, a quarter of a third of its land mass. Let's just pause there for a second. A quarter to a third of its land mass. I know. That's like. I was thinking if you compare that to England, that's like losing everything west of the Pennines from Birmingham right up to the Scottish borders or something like that. It's a huge amount of land. Every time I go there, I think, you know, what's what's going to happen in 10 years, 20 yeah. years, 30 years time? Because people just aren't taking it seriously. So so like cycling, the, the, these these environmental activities that do with litter picking, for me, it's just like a small personal contribution, you know, yeah. to sort of make... make make the local environment a better place but yeah. at the same time recognise that the wider other issues going on as well. Suddenly, as we're talking, Sadrol notices a car pulling up and he tells me that I have to talk to the person who's in that car. This is the cycling imam. Oh, wow, amazing. Yep, you heard correctly. It's the cycling imam. <laughs> no, you didn't meet the cycling imam. I heard so much about the cycling imam, you know, he's quite famous. Yeah, well, I hadn't heard about him, but he definitely seemed like a celebrity. So Sadrol called him over for me. 
His dad lives on the street, and okay. he was involved in the barbecue. So, you, so, so maybe it was, I'm, I'm going to grab him and you yeah. can ask him a few questions. Yeah, yeah. He's in the alleyway group as well. So. Yeah. Oh, really? So it all overlaps. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, so, that would be great. So during lockdown, it turned out that the appearance of the cycling imam had been quite the talk of the neighbourhood. So my name is Atika Rahman. I'm currently serving as an imam at Jalalabad Jami Masjid. And I'm also a full-time teacher, Monday to Friday, at secondary school. I teach English and I'm a cyclist. <laughs> it started off as a personal um, fitness journey, to be honest with you. Uh, I used to weigh uh, 17 stones oh, going really? back in just uh, as soon as lockdown started. So end of 2019, June, July, August. And we went to the beach, uh, Blackpool Beach once, and uh, my missus, she took a few pictures of myself, you know, with the, uh, with the top on <laughs> in the beach. And I looked at my belly, forget everything else, I can see a massive belly standing <laughs> out. So I thought, I need to do something. Uh, with work, uh, my workplace is half an hour in terms of walking or 15 minute uh, ride from my house yeah. to the workplace. So I thought, why not start cycling? Do mm. something different, do something where I can continue it. And since then, 2019, what, 2022 now, I've been cycling ever since. Amazing. Yeah, we've got a bit of a group yeah. going, we've got a club. Official oh, have club. you? Yeah, so we've ah. registered ourselves as a club. Yeah. We've got over 40 members. So every weekend we have a few guys that go out. Yeah. Uh, every morning, Saturday, Sunday, they're going out for a few rides. So it's it's growing. It's growing. Is it all? Uh, and you, is it all right cycling around here? Because I noticed not many few, cycle paths. Yes, yeah, so we go towards Manchester. Yeah. Also towards Manchester, Salford, Bury. There's a few more cycling paths right. there. Roads. Yeah. We're actually working with the council uh, yeah. just to improve this area in terms of yeah. Oldham Central, Coldest, Coppice, Werneth, to get a few more cycling roads and yeah. uh, paths. Sorry. Yeah. That's uh, that's we need good. it. Just as we're wrapping up, another famous person joins the litter pick. Muhammad Ali. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just a, I'm just a friend of these guys. Uh, I champion everything that they're doing. Um, and I think we're the initiative doing. of Mike Holders has been phenomenal. Yeah. They've, and Kamal and um, Sadrubai and everything. Yeah. They're more eloquent than I am. Like yeah. I said. Um, Kamal, he's, he's, got, he, he's, he's got more purple hearts. He's got more purple hearts and more badges. You've got more followers on Facebook. Uh, followers on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just either most of them are curtain twitches does, or whatnot. Let's be honest. What he does, he does. Can I just say what you do? Listen, he does, he's, he's like a, he's like an eco warrior. Right. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, in, in a good sense. Like, whatever yeah. your impression is. No, no, no. no. no, no what you do is you highlight issues within the community and you and, and you give like a, a perspective the, to the, it. Well, to be honest, uh, a person like myself, we've been very fortunate that we have come from the trenches. We were built from the trenches upwards, mm -hmm. not to the way around. So we don't have a hierarchy looking down, telling the people what to do. Mm. We would actually, my dad, <laughs> love him to bits, threw me in the trenches and literally you curdle your own thing and mm. you just carry on. So with the resources, when you have resources of certain things, you, you, you're supposed to help your fellow man. Mm -hmm. And sometimes some people take you for granted or don't understand it because they expect somebody else to clean up your mess. Mm which is wrong. Our, our parents, grandparents were first, uh, first generation. Uh, where some of us are first generation. Um, mm. I was born in Lincoln in 1981. Right. Uh, but 35 years here for the yeah. road, just pondering around. So this um, feels like home. So this is home. Yeah. And we've seen the good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah. And the, what, what was fortunate about we, us people, are we were born with uh, feet, uh, two feet on two different continents, so yeah. we see everything in between. Yeah. So we're yeah. very fortunate in that respect that yeah. have two feet on two different continents yeah, and we get to see everything. Yeah. We have, we have, we're in a very privileged position. Yeah. As opposed to someone well. that was just born on one side, they only get to hear or see what the media portrays. Yeah. But they don't actually get to live it. Yeah. 
So I felt like I was learning something really interesting here about climate change from talking to people in Oldham. In some ways, their activities were really local. They're cleaning up alleyways and they're doing litter picking. But at the same time, they were telling me that the reason they were doing it was because they had two feet in diff two different continents. They had like this really global outlook. And I thought that's something really important to learn about how we think about climate change. Yeah, absolutely. I also really appreciate their approach of starting at home with something that improves their and their neighbours' lives. And, you know, without being too cheesy, um, I'm, I am a great believer of starting with the immediate and the most obvious, like litter picking or greening the alleyway or, you know, and then taking it from, from, from there, like Satra was saying. Um, you know that quote? The next big thing will be a lot of small things. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you know, like I think um, this is very unscientific. But then I, I also think that I was I was listening to um, Kevin Anderson the other day. He was a climate scientist and he was talking about, you know, all kinds of things that were quite depressing. And, and in the end, when somebody asked him uh, if he has hope at all, he said, Yes, and he has hope because he doesn't quite know um, if all of those small things might not just accumulate to like a what he sort of called a social tipping point, which I think is something that people talk about a lot now. But, um, you know, I was interested in that. I was like, yeah, we don't know. You know, at some point something might just swell the ground with, um, yeah, the sudrals and the rubbiers of this world sort of moving something, maybe. I was also really interested in how you take these day-to-day -day activities and, like, make them into something bigger. You know, how does how do you move from those everyday activities into making something into a kind of tipping point? And so I went to speak to someone who I kept hearing about when I was talking to people in Oldham who seemed to be holding that position of turning these local activities into something bigger. My name is Councillor Abdul Jabbar. I'm deputy leader of Oldham Council, and I also have cabinet responsibility for finance and low carbon. So Councillor Jabbar was born in Bangladesh in a rural village, and he lived in the countryside in an area surrounded by rivers. And then when he, uh, the monsoon season came, virtually all the uh, footpath and the area used to get flooded. And I remember uh, we used to make rafts uh, to go and play in the area that was flooded in the water. So we had great fun. So when Councillor Jabbar came to this country, he stayed in contact with his family back in Bangladesh. And gradually he realised that the floods and also droughts that were uh, in the area were becoming more and more frequent. And they were starting to destroy people's homes and, and people were dying. And he thought you know, why this is happening and why is it happening so frequently? So during his adult life, um, Councillor Jabbar continued to be really concerned about climate change and pollution. So then when you look at all that and then say, well, actually, what can I do as an individual? And certainly what can I do in my role as a, as a, as a councillor? Then going back more than a decade, when I was first appointed as a, as a cabinet member for finance, I asked specifically for low carbon to be given to me. 
usually when there's a uh, you know opportunity for a cabinet position there's a big bum fight about who wants it and who doesn't want it but nobody thought about that because to be honest you not many people going back 10 12 years were that interested in um, in climate change so i've had that portfolio uh, since then so over the years councillor jabbar has been looking at various technologies things like wind and solar, and he's used his position as cabinet member for finance to do things like invest in local power. The council have adopted a Green New Deal strategy, which means that the green agenda is now incorporated into everything that the council does. And he's also done things like support the development of an energy efficiency service, um, make proposals for a heat network, and develop green space projects like the Northern Roots project in the Oldham city centre. So, uh, we we set a target to become carbon neutral as a borough by 2030. So 20 years ahead of the government target and eight years ahead of Greater Manchester target. So if I had the money, would would I bring in additional measures to um, uh, to achieve that target? Uh, absolutely. Then I don't see any reason why Oldham Council in the next five to seven years can't be completely sufficient uh, on energy. So are we uh, thinking about this? Is this our priority? Absolutely. Are we ambitious in this area completely? Have we got the capacity to deliver? Absolutely. All we need is really a bit of a helping hand uh, to go over this transition period where we're trying to desperately make uh, business cases positive. So what Councillor Jabbar fundamentally believes in is that we're all custodians of Mother Earth and we have a collective responsibility to make sure that we all do everything in our power to protect future generations. So that's the reason, that's the message that we need to give to everyone, that it's not just me as a cabinet member for finance, not me as a, a deputy leader of Oldham Council, it's me as a citizen of this earth to do everything I can to help it protect it for the new future generations. Yeah, um, it feels to me like we've come a long way from that eerie sonification of climate change we started with. I think you're right. That was so powerful. And for me, it really like gave me an emotional connection to climate change. But actually, the conversations that I had in making this podcast, I think are going to resonate and stick with me longer than the sonification in a funny way. Mm. Yes, same here, actually. So um, thank you. Thanks. It's been fun. <laughs> All right. Bye, Hannah. Bye. Thanks for listening. Do you want to join in the conversation? This week's question is, how does climate change feel to you? Drop us an email at powerinthecity at carbon.coop. We will share in one of the upcoming episodes. Power in the City is produced by Carbon Co-op and funded by the Electricity Northwest Powering Our Communities Fund, ICLEI Action Fund and UCL Grand Challenges. This episode was written and produced by Britt Jurgensen and Hannah Knox. Local research and interviews, Melissa Kelly-Shaw. Sound design and post-production by the legendary Barry Hamm. You can find a list of all episode contributors and lots of additional information and links in the show notes. Tune in for our next episode on the 12th of January 2023. It's about solar.